Welcome to the audio podcast for Beit Abba, the Messianic Jewish ministry at the Father's house. We exist to proclaim the gospel to the Jewish people and to connect Christians to Israel and the Jewish roots of our faith. So I, I want to talk to you tonight about Israel and Iran, the ties that bind. Uh, as you may have noticed, Israel, Iran, America are on the news lately. There's a lot going on. So I wanted to unpack some of it biblically so we understand uh, something about what we're seeing in a way that is not influenced by the left or the right news, right? Because Mark Twain said, if you don't read the newspapers, you're uninformed. If you do read the newspapers, you're misinformed. <laughs> so that's true in the digital age. So we want to keep it to the Bible as much as possible and interpret events that are coming at us through the scripture. So we're going to do that tonight. We're going to take some time in between to pray. I'll probably have Stephen come up and play guitar. We're going to pray with each other about some of these issues. Catherine will probably lead out and some others will lead out. But this is full contact worship tonight. You know, we met with God in the worship. We're meeting with him now. He wants to speak to us through his word. And he wants to bless us by allowing us to stand on the wall with him and stand for what he wants done in the earth. Do you know that this little group can change history? Yes. Do you know that your prayers privately and collectively can change the course of the world? Do you know that God answers prayer? Do you know there's no distance or time with God in prayer? You can affect the life around you and the lives of those far away through our prayers together. So I take it very seriously. We were raised in an atmosphere of holy roller prayer. And we did like two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening when our pastor was overseas in India or Africa or Russia or some, some other nation. And we would gather and pray. My poor children were raised on tater tots and pizza in prayer meetings. So they're still trying to forgive me for that. They're healthy now. God bless them. So I want to talk to you about the ties that bind. Let me show that flag and give you a picture of how close we are. There's a connection that goes way back to the time of Noah between what is now Iran, which was Persia, which was Elam. The ancient name for Persia, which became Iran in 1935, is Elam. It's a biblical place, and it's based on the sons of Noah. This is the genealogy of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Shem, who was also the father, 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 father of Abraham, the sons of Shem were Elam, Asher, Arfakshad, Lud, and Aram. Now that funny name, that Arfakshad, that's actually the forebear of Abraham. That's the line that Abraham came through from Shem. That's the line that would become that to which God said, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. But in that same family was Elam. Elam is the father, forefather, ancestor of the Iranian people. Noah, here's that slide, the Noah had three sons, and then there were four, excuse me, five sons that came through Shem. Maybe I don't have that one. Okay. Genesis 10. So it's important to note that this battle that is now going on between Iran, Israel, and the West goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. There was a battle between kings, four kings against five kings. Genesis 14, Avram, before he becomes Abraham. Abraham. It came about in the days of Armaphel, king of Shinar, Ariel, king of Elisar, and Chedor, Chedor Laomer. So everybody say that. Chedor Laomer. Good luck with that. Okay, well, there are EMTs out in the lobby. 
he, I think in the cowboy we say Cheater Lomer or something. I don't remember how my pastor used to pronounce it. But Cheater Lomer, a king of Elam. He's the, he's the king of this people group, Elam. That is ancient Persia. That is ancient Iran. There was a war, five kings against four kings, and they took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions, and they left as he was living in Sodom. And a survivor came, a survivor of the war, came and told Avram, the Hebrew, who was dwelling by the large trees belonging to Mamre the Amorite, the brother of Eshkol and the brother of Aner, they were Abram's allies. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he rallied his trained men, those born in his household, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. When you come with us to Israel, you'll see that pursuit. We'll go to Dan. We'll go to the place where Avram drove the guys. Did you hear that? You're going to stand where Abram stood 3,800 wow. years ago. And you're going to see this, the, the, the effects of this battle. But the, my point here is this. This battle in the spiritual realm between the prince of Persia or the spirit of the prince of Persia and Israel has been going on since Genesis. This is not something that happened in 1979 when the Ayatollah Khomeini came, to, came from Paris to Iran. Some of you are too young to remember that. Ouch. I realized I was, I was I'm discipling this young youth pastor, and I, I used the phrase canary in the coal mine. He looked at me like, what is that? And I realized if you're under 50, you've never heard that. Canary in the coal mine. Israel is the canary in the coal mine. Israel is the bellwether. Israel is the test by which we know if there's oxygen on the planet. And the canary in the coal mine, for those of you under 50, was a phrase that goes back to the coal mining in the east coast of America, where they would take a canary down there, and if the canary keeled over, there wasn't enough oxygen for the miners to go down. So if you watch the canary, you'll know what's going on in the world. If you watch Israel, you'll know the times and, times and seasons that we're in. So, said that to say that Persia, Iran, Elam, has an up-and-down history with Israel. We have been sworn enemies going back to these battles, and then there have been times when Persia has been a major blessing to Israel. And then enemies again, and then a blessing again. And it just goes back and forth. It's like the crown that's formed when you track Joseph's life. He's got the coat of many colors. He's in a pit. He's in Potiphar's house. He's in prison. He's next to the king. And then he's lost because he doesn't have his family. He forms a crown. Persia has been up and down in relation to Israel. So don't lose heart, don't lose hope about Persia. Remember, the mullahs, the people that are running the regime, are not the Persian people. The Persian people are lovely. They are beautiful, and they are getting saved, some say, uh, 16,000 a day are coming to Christ. They are up to here with Islam. And especially with the version of Islam that's promoting terror throughout the world, which is what the mullahs are doing. So we need to pray for Persia. We need to pray for the Iranian people. They have a crucial role to play in worldwide revival at the end of the age. I'll show it to you in a moment in the, in the scriptures. They are living out of Jeremiah 49, which we'll look at in a moment. They are living for the time when things will get really hard, but then they will be scattered and they will bring the gospel around the world. It's exciting. 
So Babylon, 586 BC, destroyed the temple, and Persia rebuilds. Ezra 4.2, thus says King Cyrus of Persia, Adonai, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build a house for him in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you from all his people. Remember, the Jews were in captivity in Babylon. Babylon was destroyed by Persia. And in Persia, the king, the leader, Cyrus, who was prophesied 700 years before in the book of Isaiah. Sorry, 200 years before in the book of Isaiah that he would be raised up in order to build the temple. Whoever is among you from all his people, may his God be with him. May go, may go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of God, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. As for anyone who remains, wherever they may be living, let the people of those places supply it with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, with freewill offerings for the house of God in Jerusalem. Then King Cyrus brought out the vessels from the house of the Lord, that Nebuchadnezzar had brought from Jerusalem and placed in the house of his god, small g. King Cyrus of Persia had them brought out by Mithridath the treasurer, who counted them out for Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. Think of this. Talk about the transfer of wealth from the nations to Israel or from the world around us into the gospel. Think about the, the, the magnanimity of God, the magnanimity of God that he would use a pagan king a pagan leader, a leader who is not a pastor, not a minister. God can use leaders who are not pastors and ministers Amen. to change the world. Amen. And so he takes all this stolen stuff that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, the king of Babylon, had taken. He takes it and gives it all back to the Jews. Here, go build your temple in Jerusalem. This was the inventory of them. Gold basins, 30. Silver basins, 1,000. Silver utensils, 29. This is all scripture. Gold bowls, 30. Other silver bowls, 410. Other vessels, 1,000. In all, there were 5,400 vessels of gold and silver. They brought them all along when the exiles were brought up from Babylon to Jerusalem. Wow. Wow. What cannot God do in restoring your life, restoring your fortunes, restoring your future, restoring his destiny, restoring and releasing you into your destiny? He did this with nations and countries and, and giant people groups. He can do anything in our lives. But we need to cooperate. I was thinking about it when I like to walk back and forth there when the team is worshiping. And... Uh, the Lord said, remind them, this is the year of pay, 80, mm -hmm. 5780, pay. That is the mouth. Mm -hmm. You may have to decree. You may have to declare. You may have to confidently co-labor with God about your future. Amen. We're doing that these days. We have a great story about that with my son, Jonathan, when he was <clears throat> not exactly serving the Lord, to say the least, <laughs> uh, in his college time. And he called us. He was having all these divine encounters. He had a a mentor, a, a professor that was, uh, he said, this guy's like you guys. I don't know what's going on with him. He's some, something, it was disturbing. Turned out he was the same mentor that one of our spiritual children had 10 years before it at the same college. Somebody that traveled with us in ministry to Africa. A young Chilean guy. He lived in our home. We raised him up. And he went on the mission field. And he served with us in the mission field. So Jonathan calls me and he says uh, to his mom, he says, what are you guys doing? What are you talking about? 
Something's different. He was being pursued by the hound of heaven as we stopped whining and started declaring his destiny. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You were called from the womb. You have been named by God, Jonathan, the, the blessing of God. You have, and we just would declare. We would, I mean, we were insane. So we would walk around the house with a shofar and we'd be speaking out loud in all kinds of ways. And just Come yelling, on. saying, declaring the future right. of this person. Come on. And he called, he said, you guys are praying differently. Something's going on. He kept having these supernatural encounters with Christians. Wound up serving in a, in a, a, a homeless place, serving, in a, serving soup and food in a homeless place alongside all these Christians. And he wound up, God just totally blessed him. And then he was laying in his bed, and he said, God came like liquid love and sat on me. Mm. And I knew I was back. I knew that he was back to me, and I was back to him. So you're here, and you're worrying about a child or a grandchild or a elder or a neighbor or a friend or something, start decreeing, declaring their future. Declare their future. Now, Persia, (laughs) let's go micro, macro, macro, we'll go back and forth. Persia has this testimony among them. In the book of Esther, the Persians were there to see God raise Esther up and see God use her to save the Jewish people. So they're observing this connection. I'm going to show you several places in the Bible where where the Persian people, the Iranian people, are witnessing the ways of God. And it's getting in them. Esther 4, Mordecai says to her, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Who knows whether you have attained royal status for such a time as this? Now, I get to say this because my Hebrew name is Mordechai. I say to you, you have attained royal status for such a time as this. God wants to deploy you, your time, your talent, your treasures in the purposes that he has for you. I don't know what they are for all of you, but you need to believe for seeing that and step into a level of meaning that you didn't have last year for this coming decade. Yeah, you can partner with us. By the way, thank you for those of you that uh, gave at the end of the year. You really, really helped us step forward. If you can make a a, uh, monthly commitment to House of Peace, to what we do around the world, it would be very, very helpful for us to budget the future. But whatever it is you're called to, I don't care if it's children's church or street witnessing or adopt-a-block or medical missions, whatever it is, God wants you to step into it and declare it and believe him to release you in a greater dimension of that this year. Speak it. You have royal status. We were on television in Tehran. Not in Tehran, by satellite into Tehran. It was probably that safe for us to be in Tehran. But we were on television by satellite. And I had this word for the people of Iran. You know, they gather around in living rooms. They gather around and watch the, the gospel come to them in Farsi, their native language. And they say, essentially, what must I do to be saved? And there's this tremendous revival going on there. We had a chance to speak into that. And this is the word that God gave me. That God has called them as a people to have the royal status to redirect the fate of that country Amen. and that people. group. And they're doing it now. They're doing it now. That's why there's such oppression coming against them. The, the mullahs are scared. Yeah. They're actually running scared. They're going to bluster and they're going to bluff and they're going to do all that stuff because they have to. Because Middle East, it's a big deal to save face. You know? And so they will 
continue to put that face forward. But the fact is that the people are rising again like they did in 2009. 2009, we abandoned them, and the Muslim Brotherhood came in, and also the, the mullahs came in stronger. But now everything is rocking in that nation, and the gospel is rocking that nation. It's the spirit of Christ that is rocking that nation. This is really exciting, folks. Now, did Persia witness the Messiah's birth? Could be. Now, after Yeshua was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. These were most likely descendants of Daniel's teaching, Daniel's impartation. It was mixed with, and it's mixed, it's mixed with the Zoroastrianism, with the magical thinking of the day, and there was a cult-like religion, pagan religion, in Iran and in the East. Wow. But it was infected by, or touched by, or infused by the teachings of Daniel from back when they were in captivity. In fact, three cities in Iran, Savaha, Mahadam, and Raisach, claim that those are the cities that the Magi came from. We don't know for sure. But we know that the news of the king went east with them because there was a revival and a turning from the pagan gods to Christianity in Iran after the time of Messiah. That's right. So we know that the, the news went that way at least. Now, Persia also attends the birth of the church. You knew that, right? Haha, watch. Acts 2, 6. When the day of Shavuot, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues like fire spreading out appeared to them and settled on each one of them. They were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Ruach enabled them to speak out. Now Jewish people were staying in Jerusalem. Devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound came, the crowd gathered. They were bewildered because each was hearing them speaking in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, all these who are speaking, aren't they Galileans? How is it that we each hear our own birth language? And where were they? They were people from, and they're noted, they're stated in the scriptures, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites were in the crowd. Parthians are from southern Iran. Medes are from central Iran, and the Elamites are southwestern Iran, and the capital city, going back to the days of, of, of Esther, the capital city of Shushan. Now you say, wait, Iranian Jews? Yep. Is Iranian Jews? Yeah, yeah, I grew up with them. They're all over L.A. right now, but I grew up in New York with them. When the Shah was deposed, and, when, and in between the time when the Shah left Iran and the Ayatollahs came in, Jews were fleeing like crazy, and they were coming to New York and Los Angeles. So Linda Kalimian grew across the street from me, a Persian Jew. So there's this connection that goes back to Abraham, before Abraham, to Noah. There's a connection between these two people groups, and God wants to bless both of them. That's why I'm so excited to see that there is a rising, the body of Christ in, in Iran that wants to bless Israel. Yeah. I have a video of a hangman, an executioner from Iran, raised to be an imam, raised to be a leader in the, in the mosque. He was a murderer. And God came to him, Jesus came to him in the mosque. He had a vision. And now he is blessing Israel. I have a, I have a video of him with Paul Wilbur, you know, some of you know his music, with Paul Wilbur. And they're, on the, they're kneeling with each other, blessing each other. 
This man was a murderer in the name of Allah, and now he's a lifesaver in the name of Yeshua. Amen. I'm telling you, folks, everything's possible these days. Amen. Everything is possible. The Parthians, southern Iran. The Medes, central Iran. The Elamites, southwestern Iran. Now, you look, give me that Napa look. I'm telling you, there's Jews in Iran, and they're all over the world now as well. Iranian Jews, Persian Jews are everywhere. How do I know that? Here's a picture of the Zionist Federation of Iran, 1920. Those are Persian Jews standing for the rebuilding of Israel in Iran. That's why I say go to the Bible. Don't go to CNN, certainly not the news. Don't go to any of those stations. Go to the Bible and go to the true history of the area. Now, a kind of a hard thing happened to the Iranian people in 570 AD. Muhammad was born. After all of this history together, being there at the beginning you got war, then being at peace, then witnessing the birth of Messiah, witnessing the birth of the church, witnessing Esther, saving the Jewish people, all in their midst, being connected to this long love story that we speak about. Then Muhammad shows up, 570 AD, and begins a, a movement of war that continues today. And it's not just war against Christians and Jews in the West, it's war against each other. Because the big split between the Shia and the Sunni sects of, of Islam is about who was the right successor to Muhammad. They've split over that, and they've been warring over that since the 700s, since that time, 700 AD. So the, that, the, the death that's coming out of that battle is not primarily directed at us. It's first at each other, and then it's at us as well. And the Shia side of things, the Sunnis are about 85% of all Muslims, the Sunnis. But the Shia, that's Iran and parts of Iraq. Primarily, the, the Shia side are the they are the the messianic murdering style of people. They believe that it's their job to cleanse the earth of all infidels. That's you, Christians, and pigs and monkeys. That's me, Jews. And that when they do that, when they cleanse the earth, they will be able to institute Sharia. There will be a caliphate, they will run the world, and their 12th imam, or their mahdi, their, their messiah, small m, will come back and will take over and rule the world. That's their mentality. That's why the people of Iran are right, rising up against the leaders, because they don't believe that. The people don't believe it. The people want to love and to live and to have freedom and to have freedom of speech and freedom of thought and to live the way they want and to be more like the West. And that's one thing that the mullahs cannot allow. They will not allow that. Their desire is to wipe out the Jews and, and take out all, all Western influence out of Iran. That's their goal. That's what they're working towards. And that's why there's such a rebellion right now on the part of the people. Because they don't want that. They want life. So in uh, ancient Elam becomes Persia. And in 1935, after contact with the Nazis in Germany, they changed their name to Iran because it was a, a pan to the to Aryan race. That they were, along with Hitler and the Germans, they were part of the Aryan movement. And the deal in the 1930s and 40s, you still with me? Oh, yeah. I know it's not like one step one, step two, three, how to feel better after church. I, I'm sorry. Filet <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> 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 mignon. <laughs> The Iranians and the Arabs both had contingents that visited with Adolf Hitler. You can see pictures of the mullah, of the, the, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem. 
Haj Amin al-Husseini sitting with Hitler, plotting. And the deal was, you wipe them out in, in Europe, and we'll, we'll take care of them in the Middle East. But God. But God. God keeps his promises. God promised that we would someday say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Mm. So God preserves the Jewish people. They change the name to Iran, which is the Farsi word for Persia, but also is a, is a connection with the Aryan or superior race. Fast forward, 1979, Ayatollah Khomeini. Anybody was alive during that time? You remember yes. when the, the, the embassy was taken over and Jimmy Carter biffed the yes. escape plan and all that stuff? You saw the movie Argo? And uh, you're old? The Shah had to flee. Islam established in a new way. The revolutionary part of the, of the Republic of Iran was established in the Middle East. And their plan is to wipe out Israel, take over Europe, and then kill the great Satan, which is us, which is America. That's their plan. And they've been pushing at that since 1979. And they push at it through proxies. Proxy is a substitute or, or a, an avatar. So Hamas, Hezbollah, and all the little groups of terrorists are being driven by and run by Iran, but they get the blame so Iran can be in the background, you see? But they are funding all of those crews, many of those. And the process of taking over, it's going to go a little deep in the weeds here, but the process is, first is dawah, which is the, the word for for um, a cultural takeover, like having a representative in Congress who is a virulent anti-Semite and who hates Israel and actually hates America. Cultural, just you know, little by little taking over through culture. That's why they buy seats in the universities. So you dare not speak against Islam in the universities because they own some of the chairs, they own some of the seats. So everybody's being politically correct in order to protect it. That's dawah, that's cultural infiltration. If you do not convert, they will give you the opportunity to become a dimmy. Look at somebody and say dimmy. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Not dimmy. You are not dimmies. Dimmy is a second class citizen. It means you pay a jizya, a tax, in order to keep your head. Sure. Another principle in this theology is the principle of takiyah. Takiyah is lying in the service of Allah. It's totally legit. As long as you are promoting the caliphate, you're promoting the purposes of Allah, you are free to lie to your enemies, to, the, to the, the infidels and the pigs and monkeys. And then when the population is big enough and strong enough, jihad. And if you look through the history of modern Islam in Africa and in the Middle East and all the nations, when the population of radical Muslims gets big enough, jihad. They take over through physical force. I'm not trying to scare you. I just want you to have your eyes open and your hearts open to pray in the Amen. days ahead. I want you to be informed about these things so you can pray with wisdom and understanding. Pray in the spirit and pray with understanding. And the ultimate goal, of course, is Sharia. The ultimate goal is to have, to, to eschew all of the Western-based legitimacies, constitutions, and laws, and replace it with Sharia law, which is Quranic from the Quran law, and that's what they want to do. Uh, Denise sent me an amazing short video of this lady, I forget her name right now. She looks a lot like one of our representatives, but she's not. And she's talking about how they've been working on making America Muslim for years. Mm -hmm. yep. Still with me? Yeah. Yep. Right. Get the good news. 
Okay, show me this map of the size of Iran and the size of Israel. <coughs> yeah, that, that's the difference in size there. But God. That's right. Now we'll look at this other map. If you, if you look at the, I don't know if this thing works, but if you look at this, you'll see that here's Iran. To this side is, is Elam. Ancient Elam is on this side of Iran, right? That's also where their nuclear power plants are, where they're trying to create nukes. I'll get to that in a moment. But their goal is to make a Persian crescent, a Sharia-based Persian crescent that takes this whole area and turns it under Sharia and into a Shia area of the world, Shia-led area of the world. Now, so, so how do we interpret what our president did with, um, with Qasem Soleimani? You know the, the guy that we took out? We neutralized. You should sign up for my newsletter. I have one coming out this week. It's called Headlines, Redlines, and Deadlines. About where we are in time. But uh, we took him out, right? And he is behind much of the chaos in the Middle East for the last number of years, long time. He is the, he's the brain, brains of the operation. And uh, listen to an Israeli journalist, Ehud Ya'ari. The take, according to Israeli journalist Ehud Yari, the taking down of this Persia-based mass murderer, quote, is the most important assassination of, from the Jewish point of view since the assassination of Reinhard Heydrich, the architect of the final solution in Prague in 1942. He's the think tank. Just like the Nazis had a think tank leader, this guy was the think tank leader. This man was, this is the same journalist, this man was the brains and the engine of the Iranian machine that is trying to wrap the Middle East in the arms of an octopus. He was the head of the octopus in this regard. So what happens? They show on the news, on your news, you saw uh, all these mourners in the streets being coerced, some, some true believers, but many coerced to mourn this guy. But what came out of that was another uprising, like in 2009, among the students and the people of Iran. And what they did was incredible. They stood at, to, at, at fear of their life. They, they've executed over 1,500 people during the season. Yeah. Mm. These people oh, are brutal. 1,500 murders and, and many, many jailed, much, many more than that jailed. They're standing up, like Hong Kong is standing up, like other parts of the world are standing up and saying, we want life, we want love, we want God, we want freedom, we want liberty, we want all the good stuff that we can have on planet Earth, we want that. We don't want this oppressive, oppressive regime. So what did the students go? Typically, you know, what I remember is that it was burning the American flag and burning the Israeli flag. We're stomping on the American flag, stomping on the Israeli flag. That's kind of sports in Iran, right? But look at this, the students refused they walk around the American flag. Aww. Putting their lives on the line doing that, by the way. They walked around the Israeli flag. They walked around the American flag and they were saying, no, no, you are the liars, you mullahs. We want truth. This is a wild, wild time. So let's take a moment, we're Stephen, let's take a moment and pray for, we always pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we'll do that as well, but I want we to pray for the young people and those that are standing for truth and a future in Iran. Can we do that? Can we do that? For more information about Beit Abba, log on to our website at tfh.org slash Beit Abba or call our office at 707-455-7790.